Hello and welcome to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett, and boy, do I have a show for you today. Um, my guest uh, is the most prolific nonfiction writer on the planet today. He's sold over 500 million books, and I'm delighted to have him on for a couple of reasons. Number one, he's a really good friend. Uh, but number two, his grasp of life. I'm going to just kind of put it in that very you know, general uh, framing because we're going to get real specific with it. But his grasp of life is phenomenal. Um, as you can imagine, writing nonfiction books, uh, he does a lot of research. He does a lot of exploration. And one of the things we're going to talk about today is a new book that he has out because it dovetails specifically into the topic of this podcast, which is the soul of business and more generally the soul uh, as we uh, as we tend to kind of think of it as being that piece that gives life or existence to anything. So I want to welcome my good friend, Mark Victor Hansen. Mark, welcome. I love it. What a nice introduction. And it's true that you and I are not only good friends, we're great friends, and we've been long-term friends. And I even came to your wedding. And I came to yours. <laughs> That's true. Sorry, I, I just, I, I find it humorous that, because uh, people think all I do is sit in little, uh, room and, and you know 309 bestsellers you go what do you do just some in your full-time writing i write every day but i love writing but i love life i am leading the most fulfilled life that i know i could live i don't know how i could have more friends more love more joy a better wife i mean you and your wife and i have been friends for a long time Long time. Yeah. I can't go back because I don't want to age any of us <laughs> no you, you, you'll end up with gray hair if you go back that far <laughs> <laughs> but 303 how many 309 nine books yeah 309 books and and i'm struck by what you're talking about here i feel more alive it's just my i love my life when people are tapped into the soul of anything aliveness is the consequence of that so when i talk about to people you know the soul of business a lot of folks kind of grab you know they kind of get that and they get a you know kind of a weird look in their eyes they're going what the hell are you talking about because soul and business don't seem to go together particularly well. It's, it's almost an oxymoron, kind of like compassion and capitalism, you know, compassionate capitalism. Um, so when you hear about the soul of business, what, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you? Well, you and I both know that everything has a soul. And obviously, I with Jack Canfield, I did uh, the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. And, and right. obviously, that has just been off the Richter scale good. I mean, even in China, I sold... 370 more million books, and I've gone there for 22 years up until three years ago. So I believe everything does have a soul. I be, believe that the business of business is America is the business of business, and the business of America is regaining its soul. We are at a, a strange and quixotic point in America where, for the first time ever, we've got to re vector, we've got to reboot, we've got to re understand. And, and I'm supposed to be talking about our new book called Ask the Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny, but the other one I want to talk about that's talking about the soul of business is how to be up and down times, which I wrote with Mitzi Purdue. She's only sold 22 million chickens a week. I don't know if you've interviewed her yet or not, but no, I haven't, but I, I, I know very definitely who she is. I've spoken with her, but I okay, haven't interviewed well, her. She and I, uh, I will introduce you. If you didn't know, she'll do an interview with you. Anyhow, what, what I said in that first of that book is that there, we're going to do 50 trillion, not billion with a B trillion with a T during this decade. If you're awake, like one of the companies I'm an advisor to, 
is I'll do it. It's called QCI. It's out in Michigan, and they got a governor that shut down the state, which just is, as far as I'm concerned, I'm judgmental on that one. They won't let farmers farm and people do business. That's just uh, against the Constitution, as far as I'm concerned. But this beautiful company, QCI, spent $300 million in 20 years figuring out how to recycle every piece of garbage. So what happens is, as an advisor, I, I re-cliched it and I write about it, turn trash into cash in this book, because we can now recycle every atom, every molecule, water back to water, and all garbage 60% water, metal to metal, plastic to plastic, so we can save the oceans, save the environment, fuel back to fuel. So what it means is America is not poor, which is what I hear idiots on media saying now, we're extraordinarily rich, but it's like, because you and I read all the self-help books, like the one that turned around the depression, uh, the um, Acres of Diamond by Russell Conwell, finder at Temple University. He said, mm -hmm. the yeah. Acres of Diamonds are inside. They right. just show up outside. Same thing with our book, Ask. I wrote Ask because no one's ever done this, the bridge from your dreams to your destiny, because all of us got to get on the asking journey. We got to wake ourselves up to get to our destination, which all of us, if we're alive, have a destination. Now you can squander it, you can waste it, you can die with your music in you because you and I love that kind of music. Why would you do that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the graveyard is filled with unfinished symphonies. I mean, it truly is, to, uh, to be cliche here a little bit. But yeah, you're talking about something that I'm very passionate about right now. And, and I go back to history. I love history. History has got so many lessons in it. When Martin Luther pinned his proclamation on that uh, fence post or on, that door, on the door of the church, yep. um, it, it spawned what we came to call the Reformation. And, and I'm mentioning that because... It required the church at that time to completely examine everything that it held to be sacred about how it actually, quote unquote, went to market. I think we're in the same kind of a framing uh, right now where business, this is a reformation. It's not a revolution. It's a reformation. Everything needs to be reframed so that we can actually look at how we can express who we are, both as individuals, but also more importantly, I think, as businesses. How do I go to market in a new, in a brave new world? Uh, because it's not the same as when we started at the first of this year. Yeah, January 1, 2020, yeah, marked a very interesting transition point in human history, I think, for, for us in, in contemporary modern history. Triggering off what you said, because it wasn't really a question, but two or three things. First of all, Martin Luther. I grew up Lutheran, so I, I really know the 95 treatises. But yes. So, so on, on Netflix, if you haven't seen the thing on Martin Luther, it's really good. It shows him with his little bald cut head and how he did it, and hammered it on a wall. But the day after that, Chris and I get to go to the biggest museum opening ever in history, the Museum of the Bible. And if, you, if everyone watching, because we're talking about soul, hasn't been there, you need to go there. It is brilliant. It is 470,000 square feet. But when you walk in, if you know what virtual reality, we're in virtual reality on this show, but AR, augmented reality, is that you can make, we can make a, a, a Blaine and a Mark come right out of our phone in 5G by the end of this year, which is called an avatar. An avatar, in there, And we just got done watching Martin Luther, and I know what he looked like since I was a kid anyhow, being a Lutheran. I walk in there and I go to, this guy's real. He's standing at the door. I go to, I go, I don't know how he came from 500 years ago, but I put my hand to shake his hand. And instead, my hand went straight through him because <laughs> he wasn't there, of course. It's kind of like being on the holodeck. Yeah, exactly. It, by the way, exactly. In, in my doctoral class, I was in with Gene Roddenberry, so I, I got that one wired really well. So it was fascinating. Yeah, that's, that, the, the idea of, of an avatar, I'll just kind of speak to that. You know, when I f founded my company back in 87, Avatar Resources, 
Um, I had a couple of uh, mentors and, uh, and uh, you know, one, one guide looked at me and said, you're crazy. You can't use that word. And I said, why not? He said, nobody's, first of all, nobody's going to know what it is. And secondly, if they do know what it is, it's going to feel, it's going to sound like it's this religious thing. And I'm going, no, 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 no. You know what an avatar is? It's a Sanskrit word for the physical embodiment of an ideal. That's all it is. It's, it's the physical embodiment of an ideal. And that's what a company, a business, an organization is. That's what a family is. It's the physical manifestation of an ideal. And in that sense, you know, we are all avatars of a greater soul. Our businesses are avatars of a, they're an expression of a soul that looks to find itself in physical form. And if we lose connection to that, we lose connection to aliveness. We lose connection to purpose and meaning. And I think that's what, you know, the book Ask is about, and um, at least in the, in the uh, reading that I did of it, I mean, there's kind of, you know, that bridge, that bridging. Yeah, how do I how do I quiet myself so I can listen and hear what wants to emerge? And and then the question is, what's your destiny? And and we did all the research because we said, hey, wait a second, the difference between those who are not successful, even though they got talent, they got education, they got personality, they got likability, and those who are vastly successful is one thing. The ones that are vastly successful know one thing, the others don't, and that's how to ask. And while our book is just now out of uh, less than a month, it's rocking to the top. And it, cause we're doing, you know, four or five podcasts a day like this and, and loving every one of it much faster than going on TV and radio station <laughs> yes, life. and love doing it. I don't want to besmirch Oprah show or anything else because that was fun. And Jack and I enjoyed it uh, thoroughly. Anyhow, what you're saying though, is this aliveness is where we're at. So the story I want to share out of the book, you know, who Jim Stovall is, I'm sure. Well, Jim Stone mm-hmm. was 19 years old. He's bigger than a house. He's got 4% body fat. He's strong. He wants to be an NFL. He's trained. He's ready. He gets recruited. Goes to the medical and the doctor shaking his head no and comes out, Jimmy, I'm sorry to tell you this, kid. It's going to break my heart to tell you, but in six months, you're going to be permanently and forever blind. God, talk about crushing a human soul. The lights start going off. He's now self-incarcerated in a little nine by 12 room with a telephone a radio and a television. Now, like us, he is a media maven, loved watching TV and loved seeing something the right hook, but now he's starting to complain because he thinks his life's over and his parents say, Jimmy, cut out of the blind meeting and he goes down and uh, it's an echo chamber of negativity, sort of like what we're getting in media these days. And sure enough, and I'm asking people to shut off the media, 15 minutes a day is enough of negativity ever. And the rest you got to put in shows like yours and mine and us. Anyhow, and read positive books. So. He uh, goes down her, but fortuitously, he sits next to this woman who's a blind stenographer named Kathy. And the pivotal question that all of us got to ask in these times, because what you hit is correct, Reformation. He says, you know, I used to love to watch TV and see somebody throw a right hook. Somebody ought to do something about that. And that's the ping. She hits him in the ribs and says, we're somebody. Yeah. Why can't we do something about it? Now, as a sighted person, you may not know it, but he created narrative television for blind people. 14 million people pay $10 a month for narrative TV, and you'll never see it, and I probably won't see it because I'm not blind, but what a great service. Well, Charlie Tremendous Jones, who you remember, calls me up when I'm selling 15 million books a year, and we're 15 of the top 50 on USA Today, and says, hey, I know you 
love writing and all that, but you got to read this book and endorse it. And you're doing it because you're my friend and you're going to love this guy. So it's Jim Stovall's book, The Ultimate Gift. I read it and I'm just beyond myself. It's just so good. I bought a hundred copies. I wrote the forward. I wrote the back page. I wrote, this book is so clear, so visual. It has got to be a movie. So we interviewed Stovall. I've never physically met this guy except by telephone. He's nothing but pure wisdom, Blaine. And, and he gets on the phone. We do this kick butt interview for our book, Ask. And at the very end, he says, I now write books that I can't read. I now write and make movies that I can't see. So the point to the people watching and listening to us, if you're in your pity party, yeah. right? When I was a student leader in school and went through the chairs, it was mark of victory with Hanson. I want you to get out of pitifulness and into victoriness and, and wake up your soul. That's the point of chicken soup. I've never heard it said so well as you just said it as it's reformation because what Jack and I did when we created that and you're a great friend with Jack too, is that we said the soul of America is in trouble. Now what that's all I, I really thought I only, I was, I didn't mean to be in a province called America, but what we discovered is the soul of the world's in trouble. Yeah. And we're there again and it's worse than ever. But remember Yin and yang, crisis equals opportunity. So we're the biggest crisis. We get the biggest opportunity. Yeah, and that and that is so. And the key on that, I mean, it literally is. How do you shift that mindset so that you can begin to appreciate the opportunity? Yeah, because it's always been there. And you can go back to the field of diamonds. I mean, it's all in here, wanting to come out. He it had really diamonds is. the whole time. It's such a great story that Russell Con Dr. Conwell did. Yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful story. And if you haven't picked the book, uh, haven't read a copy of the book, guys, go out and get that. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, a, it's a beautiful, beautiful book. A great metaphor. Um, you know, the idea of ask, there's something there because that is, I think, a superpower, to put it in that vernacular, that people don't appreciate. People, yeah, you know, it's interesting. I was talking to David Meltzer, good friend of mine. I think you know David. Uh, yeah. and, and we were talking about the nature of asking at one point in time and, and, and it, kids ask all the time, little kids ask all the time, but what happens? And this is interesting to me at about the age of five or six, maybe even four, they start tying the ask to their identity. And when they ask and it doesn't happen, it, it, their identity, their sense of self takes a hit. So people quickly learn not to put their sense of self at risk and they stop asking. Before that, they were asking, and it was the, I mean, literally, it was, the, it was the, the spirit asking. I want this. I want to try that. I want to do this. Spirit wants to explore. Spirit wants to you know, kind of grow. That, that's the nature of spirit. That's the nature of soul is growth. And it can't do it well if it's not asking because it has to have access to a resource. So couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. So, so when you're looking at this, there's a giving and receiving, and it's on a continuum. It's kind of like crisis and opportunity. It's a circle. It's a circle. We think it's a circle. Not a continuum is not bad, but then you got 180 degrees. I want 360 degrees. 360. Talk about that. I think that's a great distinction. Let me do that, but let me also hit first. And I will do both. So, Crystal and I are in writing the book, and as you know, we own a, a company called Natural Power Concepts .com, and everybody ought to go look at our videos and see cool devices we got that'll change the world because we need energy. Energy creates water, water, food, food abundance, less reason for more. There's still wackadoos out there that we got to worry about because they didn't learn how to ask. They lost their sense of self. 
all of what you were saying. But so we're in Hawaii, Christmas time, uh, and we get a little call from our six-year-old grandson, who you've met, um, who's beyond brilliant. This kid is—he's destined <laughs> he's to be like he a president of the United States or president of something great. Little Everett, and and for Christmas he got in a Dick Tracy type watch called a Gizmo, or I think it's called. And there are only four people he could call: his parents, or Crystal, and my my beloved wife, and myself. So the phone rings. I'm in Hawaii at the beach, and I say, "Hi, Everett." I said, "Where are you?" He says. I'm hiding in the closet because I don't want anyone to hear this conversation. I said, oh boy, this is going to be a good conversation with my grandson who I absolutely adore. I said, what is it? He says, you know those Chicken Soup for the Soul books you wrote? I said, yes, sir. He said, are you still writing books? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, I got a big ask. I said, what is that, Everett? He says, can I write this book with you? Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm beside myself. I didn't, forgive me if I've lost it a little bit, but he's got the first story in here because at four years old, I never knew when you lost your sense of self, but you start getting blame. Who do you think you are asking that? All you ask is why. You keep asking questions nobody in their right mind could answer. Like, why is this sun hanging in the sky or whatever you were asking? And then you get put down for it. And instead of putting you down, they ought to be putting you up. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the power of questions, and I mean, I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, an ask is usually in the form of a question. Will you, can you, you know, that sort of a thing. Um, questions, I think, as far as I can tell, uh, serve two purposes. One is actually to get the information that's you know, kind of embedded in the question. But the other one is it points people in a direction. Every question will send people going in a certain direction to find an answer to that question. And that's what I think the power of asking is, is it puts me in position to move. It's, it's a directional, you know, asks are directional. And what direction is my soul moving towards? I think it does a, a third thing that I don't think you mentioned that I'd like you to add. If you don't mind, I'll plus yeah, you. No, say, absolutely. The, the minute you ask, when I was with Bucky Fuller in grad school for seven years, because I was slow getting it. Actually, he had just the biggest mind I've ever experienced. I mean, <laughs> Harvard 15 doctorates. I, I wouldn't have left either. I would have I would have stayed just to be with Bucky. I only left because I got fired. And I can talk about that. And it wasn't his fault. But I can talk to that if you want. He got fired. So I got fired. Right. There just wasn't money in the till at the school because the governor didn't like any of the politics of the president of our university at the time. In any case, um, the third one, well, Bucky said, you know, I'm driving him around and he only slept two hours a night. And he'd say, I'd drive him at two o'clock. I said, be back here at four o'clock. And the first time I go, come on, you're kidding me. You, look, I'm, I'm 21, you're 71. This is, you're joking, I hope. But he was always ready in his little suit and his admiral outfit, so to speak, because he'd been trained in World War II after leaving. Anyhow, so, and sorry, sorry, 1917, World War One. Not know about World yeah, War II. Yeah, World War I, yeah. Yeah, to run that say. So Bucky said to me, he said, look, Mark, you can't ask a question like if we're walking at the time and we we're in, and he said, what kind of tree is that? And he said, if you don't know, within a week, it'll show up. Now, let me give you my perfect example of that. So I want to do two to four podcasts a day to get busy, to sell a million books. I need a million people. I'm challenging people to become master askers. And to do that, I need to be, you know, two to 400 podcasts by the end of the year. That's my numbers. Just like we used to do a minimum of a major radio show or TV show every day, no matter what. And I did more than Jack just because I'm the outside guy and Jack was the inside guy. And he said, you like to do it and I don't like to do it. I said, you're dang right. I love doing this. this is, for me, this is fun. I've learned a lot. Look, I've taken a bunch of notes already and I'm not done taking notes because I've always learned when I'm with you and vice versa, I hope. Yeah, yeah so absolutely. I said, how do I, there's 800,000 podcasts. 
And I said, I, I'll ask everybody how to get on podcasts. And, but here's the ones I want. I, I looked at the top 200 and I, have, I did them in my little, you know, I wrote a book called Future Diary, but I wrote them in my diary so I'd be able to go after it. Lo and behold, we go on a giant podcast for a guy who's asked me to keep his name silent, but he's a big guy and wants to stay invisible so nobody else asks him what I asked him. And I asked for, he gave me the list of the 374 top podcasts with their phone numbers and emails. I just got it today. I told Crystal, I said, holy days, glorified. So the third thing I'm saying to you is, I believe you cannot ask a question without getting the answer. Now, let me do a subset of that is, if you ask the wrong question, you will get the wrong answer and you're the idiot. Not the, and I was an idiot. 1974, I tried to be Bucky. I was building a geodesic dome building company. I built the Wall Street Racket Club, Botanical Gardens, Avery's Homes. I'm doing $2 million. I thought I was a 26-year-old superstar. Well, the plastic ran out. Uh, there's no such thing as a shortage of petrol, but we said the oil embargo. So I had, I had to check a book out of the library, how to go bankrupt by yourself. <laughs> and, but if you ask, how do you go bankrupt? You find a book. Right? Yeah. If you ask how do you get rich, you find my book, One Minute Millionaire, or, or Think and Grow Rich, or your book, right? The, the point is, you've got to ask the right question, or you're going to go the wrong. Back to your number two is directional compass. Your directional compass back on 360 degrees, you want to know what the hell true north is. Yeah. Yep. And, and I think that's where for a business, as well as for a leader, as well as just you know, uh, somebody you know, sucking air on this planet, the soul has a voice. And I got to find a way to quiet the cacophony in my head in order to hear that voice. Yeah, your research, I mean, folks that listen to this um, have heard me say this before, but there's about 82,000 thoughts a day that kind of you know, rumble through my brain. I'm not particularly aware of all of them, but they're squirrel. Yeah, did I you know, close the garage door? I mean, just these little fleeting things, 82,000 of them a day. How in the hell am I going to hear my soul? What's, what's that? I thought there's only guys like me that are ADHD. The doctor just told me that yesterday. That hell, oh, you're the worst. You're the poster child, Mark. <laughs> you finally got diagnosed. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. I have a lot of shrink friends, and I say you're a shrink. I'm a stretch. That's why I got it because I want to add to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but I gotta find a way to quiet the noise. And. Companies are the same way. There is so much noise in companies about hitting the numbers, hitting the targets, you know, doing it the right way. I mean, you know, take your pick. The soul of the business can't get heard. The soul of the business is drowned out. And that happens pretty early on in a life cycle in most businesses. Well, it's the same. Let's do it at an individual level. One of the guys we're close friends with who I would love you to interview is a guy who created Priceline, uh, Jeff Hoffman. Now, Jeff is a 21-year-old uh, software engineer. He, the boss comes in and says, Jeff, you come up here to the front. And he's standing with him and says, see, I'm going to look out that window and I'll know who is here last. And that's who's going to get promoted here. He said, wait a second. You mean if the car's here late on Friday night or all day Saturday, you'll get promoted? He said, yep. He said, I'm buying two cars. I'll just leave the second one out there. He said, Jeff, you're fired. So Jeff's <laughs> up there. By the way, he's a super brilliant guy. But he goes to the airport and he had to wait an hour and a half. This is, I suppose, back in the 70s. And he's... And because the ticket lady had just not incentivized that American Airlines to bust her hump and get stuff done as an entrepreneur, right? I believe 100% entrepreneurs solve the problem. So he turns to the group and says, how many of you would pay to get a ticket if I could print you a ticket like that? And everybody raised their hands. I'll give you five, 10. One guy said, I, I $600 an hour. I, I missed my plane because of this idiot lady. I'll pay $600. He said, I got a business goes home and created 
um, tickets that spit out of a machine. And now he's in every airport in the world. And he's traveled to 193 companies. He's, you know, companies have done $120 billion. He's a billionaire. But he says, the problem is you got to find, a, you know, find a need and fill is what you and I grew up with. But he says, what each of us need to do is know what we love to do that we're best at. And you just ask 10 of your friends, what am I best at? And then uh, number two, what will you get paid substantially for doing? Because mm -hmm. if you're going to do something, why would you not get paid substantially? I get paid substantially for writing books, for making videos, for doing a new course we got on. You have a book in you because I want everybody who's got a book in them to bring the book out. Because back to what you said a minute ago, which I hadn't heard quite that line about, you don't want to go to the graveyard with your symphonies in you. And, and can I hit on that just real quick? Forgive me for waxing yeah, that. Yeah, no. <laughs> like it, so. I happen to be a Horatio Algier Award winner, as you know, which means I came from rags to riches, been excessively philanthropic. Um, but we got two guys in there that couldn't pass school. One is Quincy Jones, and the other is David Foster, the guy who made everybody from Celine Dion to Whitney to you name it. Now, not everybody knows, but you ought to listen to David's music, uh, Hitman. It just, it'll just mesmerize you when you get done here. Uh, but here's the point. They were symphony leaders because they couldn't read, because they couldn't write, they could lead the orchestra, they could lead the greatest, uh, you and I could argue this, but I get goosebumps saying it, but I you can't get a much better voice than Whitney's or Celine's. I mean, there's some dang good voices out there. Oh boy. He's, he's done all of them. He's yeah. done our little guy over in Italy. He's done everybody. I mean, you know, these guys are the best of the best and Quincy did Michael, you know, and everybody. So the point I'm making is, You've got to find out what you love and what you're best at and what you get paid substantially for. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It makes absolute sense. And by the way, so they didn't like them in school. Who the hell cares? Who cares? Yeah, yeah. Being liked is not the, the requisite for success. Yeah. No, yeah. being good at one thing doesn't mean that you aren't going to be phenomenal. I can't, I, you, no offense intended. I mean, I think you're a great leader and teach leadership, and I love your quotes and your statements. But could you really lead an orchestra the level that they did and take nothing and turn it into a musical superstar composition? That's their destiny. That's you their destiny. Their destiny. Yeah. No, I mean, I can stand in front of an orchestra and wave a baton, but I am not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't confuse that with me leading the orchestra. <laughs> Truly. I can tap my foot. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was working with a guitarist the other day, a great musician, and he was you know talking to me and he had just done a jam session and... I, I kind of looked at him and, you know, I played yeah, in, a, in a school band, but I, I mean, I just kind of looked at him and said, you know, I am really good at playing the radio. <laughs> I'm really good at I know my limitations here. <laughs> well, by the way, and it takes a while to, you know, when Jack and I did Chicken Soup, we said we, it took us three years to really understand. We call it discernment, seven discernments. But the first one is it's got to cause instantaneous behavioral change. And I put all those discernments in ask, right? Number two, it's got to, it's got to cause you goosebumps, God bumps, chili bumps. You know, I don't care what the people call them. That you, by the way, I've never asked you this question. Isn't that what you would, wouldn't you define that with me as what makes your soul sing, so to speak? Absolutely. That's why aliveness for me is the litmus of, you know, am I close to it? Is it? Does it pass a smell test? If I don't feel alive and, you know, whether goosebumps or a sparkle in my eye or, you know, Zandler, you know, talks about, you know, the, the sparkle in the eye, you know, the, the, the conductor of the Boston Philharmonic. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's that sort of a thing. When people come alive, there is a spark that gets ignited. 
And that spark is the soul looking through the eyes to see how it can actually manifest out there. That's what that spark is. So let me go negative just for a second, and I don't mean to do yeah. that. The negative leaders in the world, and, and let's pick the, some of the soulless leaders, and I'm going to pick China. Not The Chinese people are very nice, but these guys don't seem to have any ethics. they got a million slaves. They're cutting out people's body parts and selling them in America, which is, I think the, the doctors that take those parts should also go to jail immediately. So I've got, by the way, those listening, I've got some real solid belief systems and you don't have to agree with anything I say, but at least it's going to force you to think about it. Like mm -hmm. when I die, I want you to take my blood and body parts, but while I'm alive, I don't want you pulling out. I don't want you doing it. Don't, don't, don't screw with that. <laughs> don't screw with that. I was head of the Red Cross getting the blood, and I can talk to that if you want. We sold a lot of books because of that. But what do you think about those soulless guys? Their eyes would be dark, wouldn't you think? Yeah, they are dark. They are dark. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And I'll kind of go back to the whole notion of you know, the law of polarity. Uh, and, you know, I've talked to Bob Proctor about this in, in some detail and some length. And the law of polarity is one of the fundamental laws. Yeah, with every good, there is a bad. With every catastrophe, there's an opportunity. With every light, there is a dark. And I think, you know, the soul in that, in, in that sense, I mean, you can put a shroud over the soul. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't uh, eliminate the soul. It masks its expression. And that's, I think, what happens with a lot of, you know, the folks that you're talking about is soul is connection for me. Soul is connection. It's, it's that, it's pervasive. It is everywhere. It touches everything. It is a part of every single thing on this, in this universe, as far as I can tell. And that, and it's, and it's connection. I can mask that connection. And when I mask that connection, I, I actually begin to, uh, uh, dial down as a rheostat. I start to dial down the experience of aliveness. The more connected I feel, the more alive I am. And so, you know, there is, there is that way, and you can put it on, you know, in a circle if you want, or you can put it on a continuum, but it, it, it has this function to it. Yeah, it can wane and wax, and I am in control. That is the one thing that I know that I am in control of. I can't have, yeah, I, I cannot control you know, this pandemic, but what I can control are my attitudes, my beliefs, my assumptions, my feelings, and my thinking. And that, that's the gateway. That's the gateway. Imagination is the, uh, imagination lives at the threshold of the spirit, as far as I can tell. Imagination is the gateway into the spirit. So I start imagining, in the words that you used earlier, what would I love? And that's where ask comes in. What are you asking for? Do you ask for what you love? Not what your ego loves, but what your soul loves. And if you're asking the right question from that premise, you by definition, are going to be alive and you're going to have a magical experience of living. I, I want to go back just two or three paragraphs to shroud to something you don't expect. But <clears throat> as you know, I did all these companies, 7,000 talks, 80 countries, all that. But one of the talks, I did a lot of talks with Mary Kay of Mary Kay Cosmetics. Mm -hmm. And she was, a, she was also a Horatio Alger Award winner way, way before me. And she said it better to wear out than rust out. But she took me when we were in Connecticut to see the Shroud of Turin. Oh, now, this is the shroud that Jesus wore. Yeah. He, Jews do not wrap like Muslim, uh, Muslims wrap around. Yep. Jews wrap from the bottom of the feet over the top of the head and back over the feet. And that's the way the shroud was. They had sent, uh, as I remember, 28 people, uh, 14 atheists and 14 gung-ho, this is Jesus' shroud. 
to do the total analysis, to carbon date, all that. Everybody, all 28 out of 28 came back saying, whoever this guy was, he was a high guy. But the shroud was so good that he burnt into the shroud his whole image. Yep. He weighed 170 pounds, same height as me. I weighed 170 pounds when I was starving to death in India as a student <laughs> ambassador. But he's six foot four, you know, and, and obviously where the nails were is not here in, in his uh, palm, but they had to be here or they wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. And same with, they were in the middle of his shin, which you could <laughs> talk about super pain, right? And I'm sorry to say that, but the fact is when I saw that shroud and it was a very small group that Mary Kay took of myself, Zig Ziglar and a few of us, it was just so, I've never said that in media before. It just, what I'm saying is, I, I think for normal humans, I, I'm making this up and I'd like you to agree or disagree and we can explore it, but it'll, the, the soul comes out of the eye. But if you're a realized being in a scale of a thousand, like Dr. David Hawkins talked, then it's your whole persona, your whole energetic. And that, that's why everybody was drawn to him. You know, the crowds, he'd come in and he, I don't know how the bad guys saw, oh, let me do one sub question, then you'd let talk. When he's in front of Pontius Pilate, who didn't want to do all that stuff to him based on our understanding of it, or read, my readership of it, you could disagree with that, but were they so darkened in their soul that they couldn't even see who he was? I don't know that they were darkened. I, yeah, obviously not having been present at that point in time. There's, there's a notion in, you know, in, in, in Buddhism around being awake and, you know, the, the aphorism or the metaphor, you know, you Buddha's walking on a road and somebody to your point, you know, it's like, who oh, God, who are you? You know I mean? Just this light is in it. And, you, and he says, you know, that's, I'm, I'm just somebody that's awake. Now that's a butchering of the story, but that's essentially, I'm somebody that's awake. And when I, when I awake, I'm not talking about being woke. I'm talking about when I'm actually being awake. Soulfully awake. Soulfully awake. We are energetic bodies. And I mean, all, yeah, Nicholas Tesla, all the, if you want to understand the secrets of the universe, understand the secrets of energy. It's all energy. We are just energy. And the closer I can become to that source of the energetic that actually gives me life, and I start you know, you know, embracing that and actually you know, having. The, I mean, the metaphor of the shroud, I think, is really appropriate there because the shroud masks. And when you get behind the shroud, all you're left with is the soul. You now you start coming close to it. Max Planck talked about, and you know, we can get behind everything except consciousness. And, and, and consciousness is a metaphor for soul. We can get behind atoms. We can get behind material goods. We can get behind electrons and neutrons. We can get behind neutrinos but we can't get behind, it doesn't seem, consciousness. And when I can get into that state, and, and I'm certainly you know, speaking here just from an intellectual perspective, not having that experience, I, I mean, I don't pretend to be awake, but my experience tells me that that's what happens here. And it's, yeah. Well, what Buddha said is that they, the day before enlightenment, you chop wood and carry water. The day after enlightenment, you chop wood and carry water. I, I think awakening is a progressive realization. And I got to tell you that what I said to you about podcasts, and I, I uh, don't mean to be self-aggrandizing here, but because we've been doing these podcasts, every one of them with the guys like you that are awake, and there's a few of them, maybe we've, whatever number I give you is wrong. Let's say I've done 100 podcasts in the last two, three months. Is it? The guys that are awake, whether it's Australia or wherever, you just go, 
and the, and the talk is never linear because we, we have all the linear notes about how do you sell a book and what do I say to make sure I maximize it? And I told Crystal, my opinion, and I love your opinion, is that I think we're so vastly interesting. If I were listening to me, I would buy the book. When I listened to Bucky, I bought every one of his 40 books. When I listened to any of the greats that, that, are, that you want to get in entrainment, you want to get in their energy orbit, you want to be in the orbit of a, a great and inspiring teacher, which is what I've always wanted to be, and you and I are, are alluding to and, and trying to expand our soul, and, and other people that are somewhere on the journey will either do it with us or edify us so we can go further in the journey. But that's, and, and I think that, okay, so let me do one more thing. I think <laughs> what I'm trying to do is get all the podcasters together. Yeah. My dream and vision, I think I gave it to you last podcast we did with you and I, David, and, and uh, that other guy, I think his name was Tom. Anyhow, uh, if we could get us together, we could shift the consciousness of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really, or waking it up. I mean, well, that's, Plonk, Dr. Plonk was close friends with Dr. Fuller, but I never met Plonk. That, that is one of the reasons, and this is a plug here, but it's one of the reasons I've uh, booked you onto this uh, Global Mindset Forum that we're doing in June. June 23, 24, 25, the Global Mindset Forum. I'm bringing together 24 of the top leaders on the planet that have experienced massive change and come through it on the other side. And Mark Victor Hansen is one of the key players and one of the key speakers, one of the key <laughs> voices that you're going to be listening to on this uh, on this uh, Global I'm Mindset honored. Forum. I'll be sending out more information on that. And yeah, Mark, I'm looking at our time and I want to respect your calendar. So I'm going to start to bring this in for a landing. I'd love to have you back on at some point in time. I love these conversations. It's been too long since we've had this kind of a conversation with each other. But anytime you do conversations like, you know, because I got to study in India and while I'm of the Christian belief system, I certainly was at, you know, the Madras Theosophical Society. And when I'm in Rome, I go to the Catholic Church and Crystal's Catholic. So we get, you know, I got plenty of that. I think all, everybody that goes for enlightenment in whatever model can probably get there. I'm not sure. But it, the goal is, is to how do you open up your soul to what you're saying to emanate out more light, to let in more light. I, I, I've never thought about it quite this way before. And then what you're saying is, is turn up the volume on your light. Volume. Did I say it right? Volume. 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 Yeah, These are rented lips. You know, <laughs> see how far we can go. Uh, folks, you've been listening to uh, my conversation with an incredibly good friend, brilliant man, brilliant author, new book out, Ask is the title of the book, Ask with an exclamation point, The Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny by Mark Victor Hansen and Crystal Dwyer Hansen. And by the way, here's what we want you to do, folks. Get a book. And unfortunately, the no bookstores are basically open as we're making this. They may start opening hopefully soon. But get it at Amazon and then send a receipt to reception at markvictorhansen.com. Reception at M-A-R-K-V-I-C-T-O-R-H-A-N-S-E-N.com. We're going to invite you to something you can't believe. Every month we're going to have the world's biggest book club free, 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 free. And, and we just want you to ask any questions you want because we want to see how many people we can hit in enlightenment. And, and somewhere along the line, I'm going to just tell you that Blaine and Cynthia differently probably will be there just because I'm inviting him now. He didn't know I was going to do that, but I've never had him turn down a good invitation to color me or, in or good thinking. <laughs> color me in. 
Folks, you've been listening to uh, just a fascinating episode of The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. And before I sign off, you can find out more about what I'm up to at BlaineBartlett.com. And definitely, my new book out is The Leadership Mindset Weekly. I want you to uh, go online, go to, go to my website, and check out The Mindset Mastermind. Uh, BlaineBartlett.com forward slash Mindset Mastermind. I want you in that mastermind. It is a phenomenal 52-week-long practice of how to shift your mindset so that you can become far more effective as a leader. We'll see you next time. Mark, thank you so much. Blaine, it's been a joy. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.